0: Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Got it. Three on the way. Yes! Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo!
1: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo.
2: I'm your other host, Farbod S. Nishari from Sports Illustrated, and we have a special guest for you guys today. We are going to have Clippers broadcaster Brian Seaman, who's also been their longtime radio play by play host.
1: This podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online and Blue Wire Farbod. The latest NBA news is out. Disney's ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando, Florida has been tabbed as the site in which the NBA will resume its season potentially in late July if everything goes according to plan. It is the site near where they used to hold the 2017, or where they held the Orlando Summer League. And the last one of those was in 2017, which former Dallas Maverick turned Los Angeles Clipper, Jonathan Motley, had the game-winning shot in the championship game. So if you really think about it, the Clippers won a title, Farbaud.
2: Yeah, basically we already won.
1: I mean we have Kawhi and Jonathan Motley. We have we Free have Motley. we have winners. Yeah. We don't need anybody else just just let them play together. Free Motley. Kawhi Kawhi Jonathan Motley pick and rolls. Championship.
2: He gets buckets. That's what he does.
1: Listen, it's like having a mercenary. You can just bring him in whenever you need to get the job done.
2: You remember when how wild it was on Twitter when like there there was no center at the time that was really trustworthy and fans just kept tweeting hashtag free Motley over and over. We call
1: that the Gortat year <laughs> or half year the Gortat half year. <laughs>
2: Crazy time.
1: Yeah. That was weird. Right. Cause we went from Deandre Jordan to Marchine Gortat Gordon, excuse me, Marchine Gortat. And I'm not going to say like Gortat's a bad player. I, I think he's fine. It's just, that's such a weird, like, way to st- like you had this guy who was an athletic marvel and then you went to a guy who could couldn't even jump over a dollar bill maybe
2: i mean but he was pretty good when he was on the wizards
1: he set some monstrous screens for the clippers too i'm gonna say that about gortat that when gortat screened you 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 probably ended up in the in in the icu for a couple days
2: i'll never forget though we had uh I just I actually just looked at the video the other oh. day on my phone uh, we had Polish Heritage Night, and the amount of people that Gortop got to that game is so insane. Like it's it's three entire 100 sections filled up, which I've never seen ever. And they were so loud. They
1: love him. I've been to I went to several games that year and sat down close by uh, near where Balmer and Jerry West sit behind the stanchion uh, near the home bench, and that's the section they would sit in. And they were loud they were fun they were constantly like uh like yelling his name to get his attention like they they cared and i wish every fan cared because if they cared as much as those guys cared it'd be crazy i don't think
2: i mean i could be wrong but just thinking off the top of my head from what i've seen i don't think any nation has been as proud or loud of a about a player as polish fans are with gortat
1: it's pretty incredible they love him like he is like their national treasure,
2: I mean, he got the President to do something on the jumbotron for him, so like says all that's like that's all you need to know about how loved he is.
1: Is he the captain now then,
2: basically, he runs everything
1: all right, well. The Clippers had the former Polish president on, on their team, Bakshi <laughs> Gortat apparently, is what ended up happening. But back to the other news, it's the 220-acre ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. It features three arenas, uh, ample hotel accommodations, according to ESPN, and it would allow the league to restart play while limiting outside exposure. Because there's three arenas, theoretically, if you really, really wanted to, because of the fact that you don't have to worry about fans showing up to games, it sounds like they could probably do six games a day two at each arena. Right?
2: Yeah, you could do that.
1: And I think that would limit like, cause uh, one of the weird things is like, they want every team to get to around 70 games to kick in their local, uh, like their local contracts or whatever. So like the Clippers right now are six games away from 70 games. They're at 64 games played. So they need to make up six games. But like all the other things that you hear are like, well, the NBA is kind of aiming for just five games per team before the start of the postseason. So you look at like the amount of time it would take to do five games. And if you run six games a day, you know, you don't, I, I would imagine you don't want to put teams on back-to-backs coming back from like a three or four-month hiatus, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it. to me, it's still weird, just the concept of having like the Warriors or the Suns come back to play five games and then leave. See,
1: I'm glad you brought that up because one of the other things that they've apparently discussed is not bringing back teams that don't have a chance at the postseason. The other thing that I've read is they might just go right to the postseason and just have like exhibition games to get ready for that. And one of the, like, the thing that kind of catches me off guard is there's been talk of one to 16 seeding rather than just East and West one through eight. It's been the one to 16 seeding. That's kind of like people on Twitter have kind of given this traction. And normally I am a proponent of the one to 16 seeding. I think it's fairer. I think this way, you know, it's, it's how it kind of should be. It's a little bit more March madness, which I, which I appreciate, so, like, if you do have the best overall record, you are getting the worst team to play in the first round. I like that aspect of it. However, my gripe with it is I would have been fine with 1 to 16 seeding if it was an idea that was up before the season began. I don't like just going into it now, going, hey, I know you were all playing for 1 to 8 seeding. Now we're 1 to 16. Sorry.
2: Yeah, because it changes a lot. Because if you were. If you're the Clippers or the Nuggets, you're like, well, I just want the second and third seed, and I'm good. But then you, that's what you played for almost the entire year, and to just switch that up suddenly and be like, oh, sorry, now you're going to have to go against the Bucks right before you go against the Lakers? Like, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah. You know, right now, here's what the playoff matchups would be. Uh, 116, Bucks magic. So that actually doesn't change. 8-9 would be Heat Thunder. So that's your first uh, inter-conference matchup. 5-12 would be Celtics Sixers. The 4-13 matchup will be Clippers Mavericks, which is, an, is a matchup that would be what it is in the West no matter what. 3-14 is the Raptors and Grizzlies. 6-11 is Nuggets Pacers. 7-10 is Jazz Rockets. And 2-15 is Nets again, Later. Go ahead.
2: Again, Jazz Rockets.
1: Yeah, that's just what we need. And 215 is Lakers Nets, which would only be interesting if Kyrie and Durant come back, which sounds like they won't. So, um, if you look at this just from the Clippers side, the Clippers would have to go through Dallas, the winner of Celtics Sixers, and the Bucks just to get to the finals where they would most likely play the Lakers because the Lakers have an easy road.
2: Yeah, it would be, honestly, that would suck. Like, I saw somebody on Twitter say like, "Oh, it would make the championship." You can't put an asterisk next to it. And I'm like, "No, it's always going to have some kind of weird mark next to that championship." Nobody remember like nobody remembers anyone's path to the championship. They just remember the championship matchup. Nobody remembers who Houston had to go through to win the championship. Nobody remembers how easy the Cavs had it every single year to get to the championship. Nobody remembers like nobody remembers any of that. So no one's going to remember, Oh, the Clippers had to go through the Bucks, the Celtics and the Mavs to get to the Lakers. They're just going to remember, Oh, they got to the Lakers and either won or lost in this weird quarantine year where everyone's going to say it doesn't count.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I am a, I am a proponent of one to 16 seeding. I love it. I think it's a great idea. However, I don't like just springing it on the teams in this setting. Like, you know, if they had said it before the season, one of the rule changes we're doing this year is one through eight is out. We're at one to 16. Everybody plan accordingly. I think you would have seen teams like, I think Kawhi might've rested differently. Maybe, Like you know, certain teams would have sat guys for certain games. Like a lot of things change. I think they should just leave it one to eight for now, and then next season change it to one to sixteen. And this isn't even a Clippers thing to me. It's more or less like, like look at it from Milwaukee's perspective, right?
2: Milwaukee's like think of how
1: screw. Yeah, like they're the best team in the NBA, and their path is they have to play the Thunder or the Heat in the second round, which is kind of whatever, but they should beat them. But then they have to play either the Clippers or the Celtics or the Sixers or the Mavericks. And those are better teams than like they should have to play at that stage. Like if they got the Clippers in the quote-unquote conference finals of like whatever region you want to call it, that's kind of like that's kind of screwed
2: up. Yeah, I mean if you if if you're the best team in the league and you have to go against the Clippers and the Lakers, that that just sucks. That's like that's just stupid.
1: Yeah. Like, the the toughest team the Lakers would play are the Raptors. And I don't want to take anything away from the Toronto Raptors. They're a marvelous basketball team. They've had an incredible year even without Kawhi Leonard. I don't... They're not in the same class, though.
2: Did did they sweep the Lakers this
1: season, though, too? They won the first game. I don't remember if they won in... I don't know if they played in Toronto. Oh, okay. They might have. I don't remember. I, the season never existed, as far as I'm concerned.
2: There was opening night... And in Christmas and that was it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, the Lakers haven't had not gone to Toronto yet. Uh, okay. So, you know, I mean, and then there's the whole thing, right? Like if they get these teams there and they, you know, they only get the teams that have a chance for the postseason, Then you have to look at every team's schedule and determine what games those teams need to actually play against each other. Like the, The Clippers had 16 games left, or I'm sorry, uh, 18 games left, I believe. Yeah, 64. Yeah, it's 18 games left. And like, I believe I counted the other day, like 11 or 12 of them are against teams that are currently slated to be in the postseason or have a chance at the postseason if they play five or six games. So I don't know which games you pick and choose to actually play.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, all that stuff needs to... I think that's so up in the air. You you have to remember, like, right? Analysts were saying the season was done, like, two, two or three months ago. And I kept telling you, I'm like, yo, it is way too early to say that. They're just throwing straws. Like, analysts are just throwing straws at this the same way they tried to throw straws about where Kawhi Leonard was going. Like, none of you really know. And if you did know... The players are telling you off the record, and you're not allowed to say it, right?
1: Am I? Am I analyst? Because I, I thought the season was over a couple. No, but ago. you're
2: not. You're not on ESPN proclaiming it, and then people are aggregating it, right?
1: I wish I got that ESPN money, baby.
2: So, like, for people who are also on ESPN again saying this again that it's going to be the 16 format and it's heavily leaning that way, these are the same people that didn't have a clue and said the season was over. So, like, I would take that all with a grain of salt. The only thing that's confirmed or almost confirmed is that they're trying to come back in July. Like, that's it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you go to the one sixteen format, here's the caveat, at least five Eastern Conference owners would have to vote for this format change. So the other thing is, the 16 teams that would be in it are the actual 16 teams that already have playoff berths. So nothing really changes there. Um, the big caveat is travel, which is why this never happened before the one to 16. But if every team is in a central location and they're all in one site, none of that matters. So if this, if there's a year four, this might be it. I just don't like doing it right now. I wish that they had given, I wish they just let it go through with one to eight and just leave it with that.
2: Yeah. But either way, I'm all riled up now. So I'm ready for us to have the interview with Brian Seaman all right
1: when we get back brian seaman will be joining us and we're going to let him actually rage about star wars there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner bet online nascar is back and bet online has hundreds of other games events and sports to get in on you can still bet on simulated nfl nba and ufc events 24 hours seven days a week or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And live, right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Once again, that's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering solution.
2: Welcome back, everybody, and we have the most special of special guests. It doesn't get any more special than Brian Seaman. How's it going, Brian? Uh,
0: Usually around this time, I'm running into you at Disneyland. But uh, (laughs) those days are not happening for a little while. This is great to connect here.
1: Now, you've been doing the classic Clipper series that's been showing uh, older games from the Clippers history. You you got to talk uh, via video chat with Bob McAdoo. You've talked with Corey Maggette. How insane does that seem to be? Like you literally got to talk to Bob McAdoo about one of his greatest games of all time.
0: So the really cool part about that was, so to prep for those things, uh, Fox has gone to the NBA and they've said, hey, can you give us this game we're gonna play it on our show so I got to watch the entire game and I mean commercials from 1975 which was amazing the intro into you know the CBS game was awesome and the one thing is and I don't know if you guys watched the game I'll tell you what man and I state the obvious here those guys could play like they were really good and the pace was amazing and so I'm watching this guy Bob McAdoo and then you know a couple days later we interview him just as down to earth as you could get appreciative of his time in Buffalo said nothing but great things, you know, talked about his days throughout the league. It has been awesome. And then I get to talk with Quentin Richardson and Darius miles, and we have some stuff coming down the road with Katina Mobley and a couple of other special guests. So I've enjoyed that. I wasn't there for the miles and the, uh, the, the, Q stuff. I came in right after that. So for me to be able to chat with them about that area that era has been awesome. Like I've really enjoyed doing it.
1: One of the funniest things uh, in your interaction with Bob McAdoo is when you guys were talking about the pace of the game back then and how he said that he got to the Showtime Lakers and he was like, this isn't even that fast. Like we were playing so much faster.
0: You know, it's funny because i said, you know, a lot of people in my era are going to tune into this game and not realize just how fast of a pace that you guys played. And I was certainly guilty of that. I actually went back and looked up the numbers. I mean, they played in 1975 at a much faster pace than they do today. And I think today's game is very fast. Uh, It it doesn't hold a candle to what we saw in the mid seventies and throughout that decade. But yeah, he was like, no, 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 man. Showtime did not invent the fast break. We invented the fast break in 1970. And he said it tongue in cheek, but it was a a lot of truth to what he was saying.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, the, the entire series, the entire classic Clippers series has been fun because, you know, in a lot of sense, you can't find these games anywhere. Like they like the Bob McAdoo uh, 50 point game, I believe that's actually on like NBA.com in their archives. You can actually find it there from like League Pass. But, you know, they're, they're showing uh, they just showed the game where Darius Miles has like 26 points off the bench against Milwaukee in an overtime win like those games aren't available anywhere else other than what they're being shown right now. And if you're a Clipper fan, that's that's wholly special to partake in during a time in which there's no active basketball. You get to relive these moments of past players, whether or not you consider them Clippers greats or not is up to you. But it's still special because those are moments that warmed your heart.
0: I, I even think that it's, it's cool even if we had basketball going on, like let's say the season ended and they do this in August, like to revisit, I think one of the more popular eras and I was, I was in college and, and just starting when, when Darius and those guys came into the league. So I wasn't really there to appreciate, you know, how the fans felt about it. But when you talk to fans this day and age, Obviously, they love where the Clippers are at now, and they enjoyed the big three with Chris Blake and DJ, but I'm telling you, there's a deep-rooted sentiment for that group in in 2000 to 2004, a, a group that never really did that much, You know, let's be honest, from a record standpoint, but they had fun, and it was a fun brand of Clipper basketball to watch, which was never the case, as we all know. And it, Justin, I think it was you who was tweeting out maybe a few weeks ago that Amazon Prime has a lot of old games. And I saw that tweet and I'm like, really? And I went straight there and it was cool to watch those games, man. Like I just live for, for those nostalgic moments of the eighties and seeing all of those teams and those old players. And, and for this announcer hearing how Dick Stockton went about his business and how uh, Brett Musburger did it and how Marv, how great he is and was. And uh, it's a real thrill. So I think if you love the Clippers and you can watch those Clippers classics, it'll be a fun little revisit to yesteryear.
1: It was actually crazy how many games are on that Amazon Prime video. It's, it's pretty staggering when you go through to see the archives. And you can tell how long it has been since the Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson era, when in that game, Corey Maggette had cornrows. <laughs> Corey Maggette does not have hair right now.
2: I don't, I don't remember ever seeing Corey
0: Maggette with hair. I think it got nixed. Uh, I think maybe I messed up the segment. We had to <laughs> reshoot it. But we men- I mentioned, do you miss your hair? I think I build it up. I'm like, hey, you were in the dunk contest. You made a lot of money. You did this and that. So many great things in your life. Do you miss your hair? But I think I missed up the delivery or what have you. And we had to reshoot it. And I'm like, I don't think he liked that question, so I'm not going to do it. But we did joke about how he looked like exhibit from Pimp My Ride, which he had <laughs> embraced. Yes, he had embraced that. But yeah it's funny. That's how long ago it is. And, and to show you, I mean, and not to be funny, I mean, like the stands are not full, right? Like that is not the case anymore. And it, it's just, it's a good place to be, but a good place to visit.
2: When you when you watch games next to Corey, when, when he's calling him with you, does he kind of like narrate what's about to happen sometimes to you privately? Because like when I sit next to him watching games, sometimes he, he'll call out the next whole sequence of events and then get it on the money a lot of times.
0: He, he doesn't, He but he does have so much, uh, you know, infectious energy. It is contagious. He is such a fun guy to work with. And, you know, Chauncey delivers the news and, and his personality is much different, but I love that. And of course, Portello, you can't go wrong with. So I've had such a lucky year in that regard. But Corey is a guy that, you know, it's funny when I first started here was his last year. And I only talked to him a few times. Like I just didn't know my way around the team that well. And I don't know if I was intimidated or or what it was, but you know, he came around and started working for Fox maybe six or seven years ago. And after our first conversation, I just had so many deep regrets about not chatting with him when he was here because he is such a, such a good dude as you have found out.
2: I, I have a funny story about him was uh, he, he and I weren't super, super close at the time. Maybe, maybe it was like three or four years ago. And I was coming out of a movie theater at like twelve a.m. in Orange County. I was watching The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio, and he, it's pretty dark because it's twelve a.m. And he jumps out of a corner and grabs me and goes, <laughs> "What are you doing out here?" And I was like, "Holy!" Shit. Like I was like, "Holy!" Shit, I'm I'm about to get beat up by this guy. And then I was like, "Oh, thank God, it's Corey." I mean that's that's him. Like he loves to play jokes, and we had a lot
0: of jokes on the uh, on the road with him. It's just fun. He's a good dude, man.
1: Are there any fun stories from the road this year with like the announcers or anything like that?
0: Well, this year has been you know it's uh, I've been kind of I'm usually a ringleader when it comes to pranks. In fact, Ralph and I would always either try to have a prank on each other. Um, most, if not all of them, are not for air. Uh, I'll save them for my book, which will be <laughs> very adult rated. But I'll tell you what, man, it's just a fun group. Like, um, I'm more reserved this year just trying to feel my way around, um, you know, the new position and everything. But it's a tight-knit group. And the way that the plane is divided, players are in front, coaches are in the middle, and kind of the, I don't want to say ancillary people, but like trainers and deep tissue massage people. And then the broadcasters are always in the back the last two rows. And you know, we're just a tight knit group. Like it's it's been really fun over the years. I've had the same seat for 15 years, and um, it's just a good deal. Like we always we go out to eat every once in a while. I'm kind of a lonesome jubilee. I try to get my work done. I go to bed early because I wake up early. But um, it's a good time, and you know, like everybody, you know, everybody brings a different type of personality. Chauncey knows literally everyone, like from. We've run into Arsenio Hall to, like, and literally everybody knows who he is. Corey has his faction of people, and Fratello might not, and it doesn't, it it surprises me a little bit, he might not get recognized as much on the street, although it has happened, but literally every restaurant that he takes us to, we are treated like royalty, and it is amazing. We never see a check. We only see tons of food, and, you know, it's been a lot of fun in that regard.
2: It was the, I I gotta ask, can we get like a hint of one prank with Ralph?
0: Um, boy, that's a good one. I'll, I'll tell you one. This is a G-rated one. So, sure. Ralph, we were in Utah, and it was a weird. It was a weird quirk in the schedule, maybe in 2012 or something like that, where we played Utah in a home and home. We don't see those that much anymore. But we played like on a, a Thursday, and then we were going to play them again on a Saturday afternoon, like a 12:30 game and he let it be known that he was going to be busy all day Friday. He was going to have no work ability. Like he's like, "I'm just glad we're playing these guys two days in a row." So, because um, he's like, "I have no time to get ready to th- for the game." So, thank God because I was moving. I think he's moving from the desert to the marina, I think is what it was. And it was right before the trade deadline. So, I'm trying to think how am I going to get him? So, I text him at about four o'clock that day where I know he is just about to leave the desert and get to the Marina. And I'm like, I just text. Wow. And then what, what? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, blockbuster. And then I let it sit for a minute. And I'm like, Jazz, I can't believe it. And then I don't answer any text for like two hours, and he's <laughs> calling my phone, and I'm not answering. And then he's like, "Well, what are you seeing this? I'm not seeing it anywhere." He's like, dude, eight-player deal, the entire jazz roster gutted for picks. More to come. And he is—I can just tell by the, the frequent amount of texts—and he, le- he actually left me a voicemail. Oh, brian it's Ralph. I'm not really seeing what you're seeing. Can you can you clue me in? We got a game tomorrow. Uh, we're trying to get the open right." And I just let it sit there for at least another two hours. And Ralph, great credit to him. I mean, he was a guy that he could literally just show up, tell you stories from yesteryear, and and have a fun show and a show that people would love. But he he prepared and he really prepared. So he is really uncomfortable not knowing who these players are going to be. So finally, I say, I just made it up. I knew that you were moving today. See you later. And he he did. Needless to say, I got a lot of profane text messages that were very, uh, very filthy, uh, from him for a couple of days after that.
2: But at least in like a fun announcer voice though, too. Right.
0: Oh yes. And then, so then his goal was always to get me. So what he would do is, uh, he would take a picture of the plane, uh, that we fly on and he would keep it in his, you know, pictures. And then he would text me like early in the morning. Hey, where are you? Doc is wondering if you're going to show up today. And I'm like, wait a second, we got four hours before we get there. And it would cause enough anxiety for me to, to make sure that I double check the itinerary. So that was kind of the stuff that would happen. (coughs) Excuse me. But there were definitely things that were not for kids ears. We'll put it that way.
1: You spoke about like Ralph and like prep and stuff. A lot of people don't understand the amount of prep work and time it takes for a broadcaster to get ready for a basketball game. I don't I don't know if people think broadcasters just show up and just announce the game, but can you give some insight to the average person who might be listening how like what's the average prep time for you for one game?
0: So it changes for everybody and for me to be comfortable, you're looking at 6 to 8 hours. Now, maybe I'm not very efficient, maybe I need to work, you know, smarter not harder, but for me, Everybody we play. So obviously I have our stuff and I update the numbers. And when I talk to players, I put those you know, in my notes if I can use that the next day. But when we're looking about the other team, I want to know what their obvious stuff is, their season average. I want to know what the, they did the last game they played. And I want to know the last game they played against us. That's the most basic stuff. But you do that for 15 players. Then I try to find trends with those players. Um, How are they playing in their last whatever games? I just look. How many times have they hit three threes in a game? I want to know all of that stuff. What's their record when they score 10 or more in the first quarter? So I really exhaust myself. I go through every player that way. And then I go back and then I Google every player's name. And then I do, uh, for example, Steph Curry interview, Steph Curry feature story, Steph Curry Andre Iguodala. I try to find it's it's you're you're basically just hunting for stuff you don't know where it is and a lot of time you don't find anything that's really useful. So for me, that's where I spend a lot of that time. I watch every game and I listen to every game that I did on radio, trying to find, you know, making sure that there's no bad habits. Did I give the score? Am I staying descriptive on television? Am I getting out of the way after a big play? Am I allowing? my analyst enough room to get their thoughts across did I send it to break in a proper fashion so there's a lot and and maybe you don't need to do that some people have such a great personality they can show up be awesome have a fun time make you laugh and you learn a little bit for me I consider myself kind of the narrator and a storyteller I want you to learn I want you to know why this is a big deal why is it a big deal that Avery Bradley had six three-pointers against the Clippers. Why is it a big deal that Kawhi Leonard has scored 30 points in seven straight games? So you want to know all that stuff. And I, I exhausted every single game. I enjoyed doing it. If I didn't, it would make for a very long day and a difficult job. But it's so much fun, especially when the team is good. And then you want to find out team trends as well and you know where the Clippers are trending, where is the concern. You want to be able to bring that up to your analyst to let them tell you, hey, is it a big deal that the Clippers are dead last in offensive rebounding? Not at all because they lead the league in field goal percentage and they lead the league in pace because they're you know super efficient from the floor. That's what that stuff can do. So I enjoy it. Some people do not. Some people need an hour to get it done and have a great show. Unfortunately, my brain isn't wired that way.
2: The, uh, the thing I wanted to ask was, you, know, you being on the planes and everything, um, is there a favorite player dynamic you've seen? Like from me in the locker room, I always really liked seeing Pat Bev and Tobias Harris talk smack to each other or Trez and Zubots. Like, is there anybody you've seen that you just think is like the most hilarious tandem? You know, I don't even know it's tandem. It's just Pat Beverly and
0: whomever. Um, you know, Pat is he, I love him. I think I really mean this. I think I said this two years ago. He's my favorite clipper of all time. Like I just love his story. I, I love what he does in, you know, on a game day, I know not to bother him. On a on a day where he I know he's either injured, he's not playing. I can I feel comfortable, I can go up to him and he's great at dialogue. But when he is playing and he's locked in, the stuff that he says to people, man, during those shoot arounds is hilarious. And he's just ornery. He's just trying to get a reaction. Not in an immature way at all. Just in a fun he's just a good dude, man. I know it doesn't come off that way on the floor, but he's a lot of fun. Trez Uh, Trez is a talker as well. Lou has fun things to say, but he's not as verbose, but everything he says is pretty witty. Obviously Kawhi and and PG don't talk that much, but my favorite player was Chris Kamen. And (laughs) I don't know how many years he was. I was with him. Maybe let's say three and a half or four years. I, I interviewed him maybe twice a month because he was always great about it. And I maybe used three total interviews because he would swear or he would say something that was derogatory towards like a legit gripe about his coach or his player or the organization. I'm like, well, that was a fun five minutes I'll never be able to use. But that said, he was just a great dude, like always fun, always eager to chat and about non-basketball stuff, which is always my favorite stuff to talk about. So with the players. But it's always fun. And that's why it's so important for play for like people in my position to go to shoot arounds. You go to, I don't know, say fifty shoot arounds a year, maybe five of them have an event that is worth reporting or worth following up on, but it's a big deal. The other forty-five, it's just kind of like, yeah, they're going through their stuff. You don't maybe learn that much, but you never know when those five are gonna come and and uh, it's always good to be there when it happens.
1: One of the, you know, it's funny you mentioned Lou be, because I remember at the end of game six when they lost to the Warriors and they go out of the playoffs. I remember a reporter asking Pat and Lou like what, what their game plan was to stop Kevin Durant and if they could have done anything different. I just remember Lou It will forever be etched in my brain. Lou Williams just saying, I promise we tried.
0: I mean, and then Pat's like, I got this. You know, what would we want to do? That was one of the more, you know, it was such a great exchange because, trust me, and we saw it winning two games against those guys. The Clippers thought they could win that series, and they really did. God bless them. And for them to fight as hard as they could and then realize at the end of the day, hey, man, Golden State was just the better team. I'm stating the obvious there. But the way they handled that question and and they were just like, man, the, the dude's you know, the dude's unbelievable. What are we going to do? They're a better team. And I thought that was such an endearing exchange from both of those guys.
2: That was such an interesting exchange to see, too, because Pat was ready to explode. And then Lou had to calm him down. And then Pat came back again but. But Pat was like ready to explode. But then luckily, he had somebody who was the complete opposite of him and super chill in Lou right next to him. I
0: mean, those two guys are so funny because, you know, Lou, that was the first thing. And this has been told before by Doc, myself and others. But that was what surprised Doc the most was Lou's leadership ability, his truth telling. Because they remember the Clippers didn't have Pat Beverly after Thanksgiving in 2000. And what was it? eighteen two thousand seventeen 2017 with, with the knee surgery. So they needed somebody to be the leader, and Lou did it. Lou was awesome, and you still see it, and people follow Lou's lead. I remember coaches coming up to me, quizzing me like as a joke, like who's the leader of this team? And I said, I always think it's Pat, and everyone says, nope, it's Lou. Lou is the guy that leads that locker room. So it's been interesting to see that. I don't know if that shows itself out on the court, but in that locker room, and those players listen to what Lou has. They really listen to everybody, but Lou is really a tentpole.
2: Before we talk about Star Wars, I wanted to, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but there was a funny Tobias and Pat Bev interaction that that's what made me a huge fan of Pat that I I think you would enjoy where uh, Tobias kept talking about, there's two different things that happened, but one of them was Tobias kept talking about how he still takes Southwest Airlines and he still uses that. And Pat is just going at him being like, why the hell would you still take Southwest? Like, what are you talking about? And Tobias is like, I just want to save money, though. And and Pat straight up just says, I don't need to take that because we effing made it. Like, I don't, we don't need to do that anymore. And then like um, later that game or later that month, um, I can't remember when. It was after the Bears choked in the playoffs, and um, Tobias is just trolling Pat. And he keeps being like, "Are you mad, Pat? Or how do you feel about the Bears? How do you feel? Like, are you pissed off?" And it's at the end of the game, and Pat looks at him, and he gets up, and he says, "I'm not mad because I'm rich as I'm rich as f, and I don't need anything to worry about." And just walked away. And it's like that's that's the guy. I mean that, that, and that
0: sounds about right. There were funny exchanges, the obvious with Tobias and and. Um, uh, Boban and it was real like those two guys were legit friends which was cool to see like I think the media built it up to be one thing and the reality of it was it it was it was it was legit so the the best thing about this these last few years even though uh, they didn't make the playoffs two years ago is that everyone that we get to deal with they've been awesome and the chemistry is just so different It was fun the first few years with the big three and and trying to win a title, but it it did. It got kind of to a point where everybody seemed to be on edge. You couldn't put your finger on it, and it just felt like just such a, a, a clean environment when everything blew up, and they changed the dynamics of everything, and that dynamic still exists, and it's a fun place to be.
1: Okay, so as I have been told by Farbod, you are a Star Wars fan.
0: Uh, yes, well, answer yes. I'll be short on the answer. Is an understatement.
1: So, I want to ask you, and I, if this is before we get into the stuff that'll probably make you mad, what is your favorite Star Wars movie?
0: Uh, are we talking trilogy, or are we talking um,
1: all of the Star Wars films? You, I'm talking all of the Star Wars films. I'll count uh, the nine, the nine main films, and the two. Uh, standalone films, Rogue One and Solo.
0: So my top three goes in just in terms of how great they were, Empire, New Hope, and Rogue One. And Jedi is a distant fourth, and then they're all kind of in the same category, to be honest, of disappointment. So it's funny that I say I, I am. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I have literally in my hand, I bought my dog a Carbonite Han Solo chew toy, I want a life size, like my big. I had a chance to buy a carbonite Han Solo life size when I was in college, and I think about it every day. At the same time, I am just so bummed out about the way Star Wars went. Like I was, I've been lucky to go on Rise of the Resistance. I was there opening night of Galaxy's Edge. I mean, that's so. I want to be clear that I'm a huge fan. But those movies man all of them after the ones I just stated are so disappointing to me if you if they're your favorites great good but they were just so disappointing to me that I have a hard time kind of re-watching them to be honest
1: it's you know I'm actually glad you mentioned Rogue one because to me I feel like that is one of the better Star Wars movies and it doesn't really get talked about a lot
0: the last 20 minutes blew my mind and i left on such a buzz like when and i don't want to i won't give away the reveal at the end but when it happens and then you can see how it would segue into a new hope it was i just was like i felt 10 feet tall and i remember calling my buddy who's also a star wars nerd he had just gotten out of the theater too and i'm like can you believe it and i wanted to i wanted somebody to validate what i had seen like did i that was awesome right and we were both just buzzed, man. Just absolutely buzzed, and then, you know, uh, that was after the Force Awakens. Am I not mistaken? I think Rogue One got it sixteen. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And then, and so I was still, I was still feeling. I liked Force Awakens actually. I actually didn't mind it. It's the, it's the Last Jedi and then the Rise of Skywalker that I was just kind of like, man, that was not what I wanted it to be. But um, I always relive it through. I mean. I have, a, I have a Darth Vader lightsaber on my nightstand. Like I'm going to talk trash about Star Wars, but deep down, it's in my
2: DNA. It's in my bones. I love it. Do you remember how much crap you gave me for not watching uh, Rogue One like on time? I mean,
0: why would you? Because what was it? Because you wanted to see it in
1: a special theater? No, I had a fever. Come on. There's <laughs> no for it, man, come on. You got you got to die for Star Wars here. <laughs> I had a fever. <laughs>
2: You were so mad
1: at me <laughs> because I
0: really wanted to chat about it. Nobody on the travel party, like Ralph Lawler did not know who Chewbacca was. What? No one knew anything about No, I mean maybe he was playing up and he's like I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was literally the only one that was into that. Like it was I mean it. Like there's 70 people that were on that f- charter flight that w- I saw Rogue One in Miami and I think I saw a couple of the Star Wars films in San Antonio. We were there for opening night. And no one, no one went to go see it or wanted to hear about it. So I was dying for interaction. My wife is over it. She does not need to hear me talk about Star Wars anymore. And my boys are warm with it. Did did you ever get to talk to Zubots about Star Wars yet? He did, and I you know, I thought you brought up a good point. He's like, I don't know why all the hate And I'm like, Well, we had to wait three decades for that garbage that came out, you know? <laughs> That's why Jar Jar Binks, we waited for thirty years for Jar Jar? Come on. Uh, or whatever, 20 years, whatever it was, he didn't understand it. But, yeah, we chatted a little bit. He was wearing Darth Vader's shoes, I think, during the – I swear when we were in Toronto, he had Darth Vader's shoes.
2: I love – my, my favorite thing is that, like – and I think I said it on here, but, like, he didn't know anything about Star Wars, right? And his favorite movie series is Lord of the Rings. And I'm trying to convince him in the locker room pregame to watch Star Wars, and I'm like, yo, it's like Lord of the Rings, but in space. Like, it's Samurai's in space. It's fine. I think somebody else convinced him on top of that, and like two months later, he's walking in the arena in Star Wars hoodies and all this stuff. Yeah, he got into it. He was cool. Like he got it. You know, he was cool to chat with. I mean,
0: I mean, give me your top three, top four. Tell me what you think of the the you know episodes one through three, and then six through nine. Am I wrong? I have the exact same top three as you. Yeah, I mean.
1: I think Empire is definitively the best Star Wars movie because it gives you so many worlds and so much, uh, there's so much that happens story-wise right? that I think it's just the better one.
0: I mean, and it was just like, there was real drama in that one. You know, I didn't know what was happening. I was so young when I first saw it. I thought Darth Vader was lying. Like, I didn't know that, you know, that was really a thing until after the, no, like, no, 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 that, that was not a lie. That is really, and it blew my mind again and so when they re-released it so i'm old enough to say that i saw all of them in the movie theater but not necessarily right when they came out so they re-released star wars a new hope maybe a month before jedi came or a month before empire and then they did the same thing for empire and jedi so i saw empire the second time i was as the kids would say woke like i'm paying attention to Darth vader and Like it was, it was, well, it was the earliest you could probably have it happen. But I mean, it was the first villain that I thought, man, I want to see him more. Like I am fascinated by that guy and still am. And those are always the best villains, obviously, the guys that you can get get, like Thanos. Thanos was awesome. The problem that I'm having with Star Wars, I'm not trying to shift gears is, and I was never a Marvel guy, is the way the Marvel Universe for 12 years tied up 22 movies, and not all of them are perfect, but most of them are great. How they tied up everything perfectly, beautifully, and had all of those things and all of those things were connected at some point in time during, you know, the 12-year run between Iron Man and and Endgame. And our guys, whether it was Lucas with the first three, you know, that that were released in 99 with Phantom Menace and all that stuff, he can't even get his story right. And then we have three different directors for the final three of the installment for Star Wars. They're not on the same page. Yet Marvel can put 22 movies together, get those actors to sign up for 12 years of their career and have it be executed flawlessly. That made me so angry after I saw it was Infinity War that I was like, man, Star Wars, you blew it, you know? And I, listen, Ryan Johnson is a great director. Looper is good. Uh, Knives Out is flawless, right? But that yes. crash that he put out ruined, it ruined that movie and it, it absolutely ruined you know, the rise of Skywalker or whatever it's called, because they had to go back in time and fix his gibberish. It ruined yeah, it. And I'm so out, irritated. Dude. When he like tweets out Star Wars stuff, I'm like, bro, stop it, man. Just move on. No one wants to see Yoda using the Force from beyond. Where was that 30 years ago? All that. I mean, just stop it, dude. You've ruined it. Accept it and move on. I am yeah.
1: can tell I'm still irritated by you. So I'm glad, I'm glad you did this because I wanted to ask you, I think this last trilogy didn't live up to what it could have been because they, they switched directors midway through. And it sounds like that's where you agree. Yeah. I mean, like JJ Abrams, but see, they did, they didn't seem to have a plan.
0: Maybe you know more than I do. I read into this, that they were going to have three different directors
2: Right. Yeah, they had Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World, and then they took him off. But like, wasn't JJ going to do one,
0: and then they were going to have another one, and then I, did JJ not have to come back in and clean up the mess that he created? Because I Correct. was for JJ because I love what he. I'm not a Star Trek guy, but I thought that Star Trek series that he did was awesome with Chris Pine, and I thought it was really great. Um, I, I think he's got great ideas. I was excited. I was intrigued very much by um, The Force Awakens. I loved Kylo Kylo Ren. My wish was that you never see... And I think Adam Driver is awesome. I wish you don't see his face until the very end. I I was so intrigued by who he was with the mask on. And then I lost that intrigue when he takes it off. Um, But I I thought The Force Awakens was cool. And then for Ryan Johnson, why would you sign on? That's my question. You see Force Awakens... You clearly don't like the direction. Why sign on? Why not say this, is, this isn't my jam? Man, I'm gonna literally destroy, we're gonna take away Ray's parents, not, not relevant. We're gonna destroy Snoke, he's not that great. Instead, we're gonna have them touch each other while Kylo Ren wears a towel from across the galaxy. Like, come on. Like, we're gonna have Luke drink out of a teat. I mean, dude, lame. I cannot get, I was so irritated by that whole show I would just sat there like I was in I remember being in Washington DC when we saw that when I was just like come on give me a break
2: I remember I remember in the press room with you just going off and I'm reliving this whole experience of you in the press room right now and I'm just I mean like I'm, I have gotten over it emotionally
0: like it doesn't rage in me until just now like I'm thinking <laughs> about you know, Princess Leia was Mary Poppins all through the outer space floating back in there like He's trying to trick us because we know that Carrie Fisher has passed away and he's going to make us think that this is where she gets it. No, no, she's going to be in the whole movie. Oh, great. Let's take Poe Dameron, the coolest dude in space, and just put him in jail for the movie. Let's have Finn and some character that we've never heard of that becomes one of the most hated after Jar Jar Binks go on some space race and go to a casino. Their story doesn't do anything for 30 minutes. What are you doing? Why did you sign on for the show? That's my question. Like. You clearly have your stuff together. Like, again, Knives Out was flawless from beginning to end. Looper is original and awesome. Why sign on if you are going to destroy the blueprint that was laid out by a guy that's got a lot of credibility with Star Wars? You ruined it. And then you it. Easy (laughs)
2: blueprint, too. Like, it was very right there. Just make Snow cool, make Kylo intimidating, have him train with Snow. Like, uh, it was just so easy.
0: I mean, Luke's going to kill his nephew. I mean, like, I had all these feelings. And then I read these interviews that Mark Hamill was like, dude, I am, this is not, this is not good. This is not what we would do in the Jedi way. And when Mark Hamill, who's really great on Twitter, by the way, uh, I love him. He starts speaking out about it. I'm like, yeah, this is trash. This is utter trash. And I hate to talk about it. I feel like, I mean, I spent so much time invested in Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. For This to come down the way that it did, I just I've seen what was it? Was a lot, I don't even know the names of them anymore. The Rise of Skywalker, I saw it once and I'm like, okay, great, I, I finished it. Uh, now The Mandalorian, amazing, right? Ooh,
1: yes, it's, so it's incredible
0: to get a new look. John Favreau, who is so great with the Marvel, you know, I mean, it's awesome, man, like it's so simple. It is so beautifully done. And I heard that it's a $15 million an episode. I'm like, man, that's insane. And to have season two around the corner, I'll tell you what, man, it is, it, the Star Wars universe, I think, I honestly think it'll have its best days ahead of it. I really believe that it could do that. Um, I'm optimistic that way.
1: They just announced, I'm gonna, I don't mean to butcher his name, but I, I believe it's T- Takar Watiti. Is that how you say his name? The oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he directed the season finale of The Mandalorian, which was incredible. The entire series was wonderful. Or at least, uh, sorry, the first season was wonderful. Um, apparently, it was announced earlier this month that he will direct a Star Wars film from a screenplay that he is co-writing. Yeah. So I don't know what it's going to be, but it should be interesting because he's, he's fantastic.
2: It, he did Jojo Rabbit. And we, uh, we are still getting the Rian Johnson trilogy, too are we I'm pretty sure he was signed on for a trilogy like a separate trilogy that is that is I'm abs- good for that I'm, you know I mean man.
1: see yeah. I th- I th- I think that was plagued by just the swapping of directors so uh
2: well it says he could still get it but it was it, he was signed on for it but it's not super confirmed anymore I
0: was relieved after so I was a game of thrones fan as well I was very relieved that those two guys were removed from writing anything about Star Wars with the way they ruined Game of Thrones, although I think anything would have been an upgrade compared to what we saw. Um, Like I said, I'm optimistic. I think Disney has too much money invested to let it go by the wayside. Mandalorian is a massive hit, and I'm hoping that in 10 years we're we're doing the same podcast, but we're holograms maybe.
2: Now that we've uh, let you get all the hate flown through you, um, (laughs) I feel like it's time to let you go. Yeah, now I'm going to dinner with my kids. I might have to have a couple of alcoholic
0: beverages to keep me from going off on them.
1: Brian, we can't thank you enough for coming on here and doing this with us. I know you hate to relive how disappointing you were uh, with the final sequel of Star Wars, but you know, <laughs> I think people can take a lot of information away from what you said about the pregame prep and how much fun you've had with Classic Clippers and talking to those guys and just the joy that this job has given you that basketball is your life and you get to travel and go to games and announce games and see so many amazing moments that, you know, a lot of people just don't understand how phenomenal that actually is to live.
0: Oh, it is. This was my, my dream when I was eight years old, I'm blessed beyond words to be able to do it. And, you know, to be on both sides of the tracks with the Clippers has been really, it'll be the highlight of my career to be, going from a team that was, let's be honest, embarrassing, a franchise that was embarrassing, uh, to one that is going to be, I think, in time, a gold standard in sports. Um, I'm blessed beyond words. There's no question about it. And, you know, while we're at it, you know, the Clippers and Clipper fans are lucky to have guys like you two writing about it. And just as we were talking, Justin, before, being positive, but at the same time being realistic. And I I, I think we have some of the best people that – cover the team both near and from afar that uh you know clipper nation is is taking care of in a big way
1: uh brian it's been amazing thank you so much for joining us
0: anytime guys i hope to see you at staples center real soon i would love that
1: thank you we will try to get out there whatever the games are permitting
0: i'll see you there